here, here, here. We, we, we go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Again. What it is? What it be like? What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today. We are going to get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 287 from Miami, Florida. Alex Pereira defends his middleweight title for the first time in a rematch with the former champ, John Israel Adesanya. Jorge Masvidal takes on Gilbert Burns in the co-main event. We'll get you guys going with those. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really interested to hear you guys' picks for these. It's tough, man. But then, boys, Brandon has one of his world-famous facts don't care about your feelings. So if you've been missing that intro song, it's back. It's back. Uh, we do kind of know where this one's going today, so I'm interested to see where Brandon's going to take that. Finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts. But first, boys, how we doing? Episode 127 of the Neon Belly Podcast. Some people I'm hearing are calling this the number of significant strikes landed by Max Holloway in the third Volk fight episode of the Neon Belly mm-hmm. Podcast. Heard I've heard one. I heard three people today say, yeah. "Oh, you guys are doing the number of significant strikes landed by Max yeah. Holloway." And the a couple third guys bo- at church yeah. were talking about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like, dude, how did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Uh, the number thing's got to stop eventually. I don't know how much. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how long we can take that. <laughs> I might see how long I can go with it. I don't know. But uh, that is a true fact, by the way. Go look it up. 127. It's not very lot. much for Max. It wasn't very much. Not enough to win a world title. Uh, his former world title back either. Mm-hmm. Um, boys, right off the top, though, one thing that we have to discuss, and, and we didn't talk about it last week, and I actually think it deserves a bit of a celebration, but our very own Brandon here, right? If you go back to episode one, Uno. Mm-hmm. Of the Neon Belly podcast. Um, some people call that the uh, uh, Hoist Gracie UFC champion yeah. uh, episode of the Neon Belly podcast. I've seen it on a tattoo. I have seen that one tattoo of that. Um, but if you go back to that episode, uh, we didn't know what we were doing, and that's no. okay. Yeah. But here comes Brandon. He walks in, right, with a pair of headphones that just <laughs> did not work at all yeah. um, to the point where, like, we had to take, like, a bread clip. A, like a bread basket, a clip, you know, a chip clip or, or a chip, chip clip. Yeah. yeah. You keep the bag tight. It was like a panda. Was it? Or a it's a bear. a bear. It was a, a bear. bear. Yeah. And, and you know, we had to get his headphones clipped together and just taped. to make him work. There was tape on it. Too. There was tape on it for a while. Uh, this, uh, this was over two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, Brandon, for the first time, finally walks in no, with a new on, pair dude. of headphones <laughs> and that deserves. Yeah. I mean, uh, looking good too, I must say on camera. It's called growth, man. Yeah. It is called growth. Um, and then, if you also know, more recently, just in the past like month, the you know mic issues have just been abysmal. <laughs> yeah. Um, week to week, telling him, begging him, yeah. begging him, literally John off camera crying. Yeah. Um, to bring in a new mic cord, um, and and he did that as well. So, yeah. and so Brandon now with a new mic cord, new headphones. How you feeling? This is the second week. I should have called it last yeah. week, but this is the technically. So last week was your first. How's it feel, man? Honestly, just glad you guys can't complain at me anymore for yeah. that kind of thing. That's yeah. kind of the biggest thing. Now we just get to find something else. I like that, though. Yeah. Eh, it's ha- work harder, I guess. Had us questioning yeah. our $800 mixer here. Like, maybe it's the mixer. <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> Maybe it's a mixer or maybe it's these headphones yeah. that were from 2007. A, you guys know I'm a creature of habit. I like to keep stuff and keep it going as long as I, I can. It. So it is what it is. I get it. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little annoying. Not going to lie to yeah, you. Yeah, that's Brandon. fair. Not going to lie to you. And, and while we're on it, Brandon, 
go ahead, the new mic cord, new headphones. Let's really break them in here. Let the people know before we get to UFC 287 with our picks and predictions. Rate, sub, follow. Let them know All right, what with, we got. With my beautiful voice, you yeah, guys are going to hear me. I'm so. telling you, it was it was like it was like an eight before. You're up to like a nine and a half now. There we go. You're already mm-hmm. sounding better. All right. So every week we ask you guys to do this. We want you to like, follow, subscribe. You can find us on Spotify. You give us some rates on there. Also on Apple, you can give us five star reviews and written comments, which we will read out anytime we get them. And then we're also on some <clears> social media platforms. You can find us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Am I missing anything? Twitter, kind of maybe. No, we don't talk about that. Yeah, so you can find us on there. You can subscribe, like, follow at Neon Belly Podcast. That's right. And I guess, I guess we can kind of drop a little nugget here while mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it. Um, we might have a really cool um, opportunity. I'll say on the line, like not anything that we want to like for sure talk about right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but something that's like really cool that could come to fruition very soon. Um, and if it does, believe me, we're, we're going to be talking about it cause it's going to be huge for the future of the podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we're really excited about the potential of it, but we do want to hear from you guys. If we did a, maybe a live show, um, especially if it was like something where the listener, as a listener, you could uh, call in um, live or even just leave a message or mm-hmm. um, just anything, right? You know, you could obviously still write in, leave us a message, but kind of like a mailbag kind of episode of the Neon Belly podcast, especially before like a big pay-per-view, uh, maybe like the Friday before a pay-per-view or something like that. If that's something that like would interest you or you think could be cool, let us know. Because um, like I said, is this opportunity is coming up. That is something that we're kind of kicking around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's kind of something we've wanted to do for a while. Uh, and yeah. this opportunity might afford us the ability to do it on a bigger platform and get a bigger reach, right? Mm-hmm. So if that does happen, um, we want... I mean, we've, we've always wanted people to listen because we're fans just like everybody else, right? right? Um, and that's what we want this to be is by fans, for fans, and all of us just putting our ideas and everything out there because I know as somebody else that listens to podcasts and mixed martial arts podcasts, sometimes I'm on the other end screaming my head off like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what right. I mean? And we don't, believe me, we say it all the time. We don't know nothing. Like we're, <laughs> we're just fans that are just guessing like everybody else and having fun talking about it. So if that's something that you would want to be a part of or it's, or interest you or you're like, yeah, you guys definitely need that. Just let us know. Yeah. I think and Brandon answering questions is like 90% of the reason you guys don't agree to do this with yeah. us. But like, you don't even know like <laughs> no. the untapped potential there specifically for Brandon, uh, for somebody to call in and just, look at the face. He's just like, like, when we first did social media, he was the one who was like, who commented? When we, I'll get I'll yeah. get them, dude. I'll get them right now. And I'm like, hey, man. Yeah, they're fans. You got to be. The, in my in my excuse is I'm a dad, so my time on social media is not as much as it was. Sure. So the, this this whole calling thing makes it. There's no excuse for me. If you call in, I'm here. Yeah. I have to respond. I love so. it. I love it, boys. Let's get to UFC 287 this Saturday, April 8th, live from Miami, Florida, at the Miami Dade Arena. And before, boys, we get to our preview of this card, you know I got a little fun yeah. fact about Miami people. I tried to, <laughs> John, I tried to find the Reno 911 Miami. I swear in that scene or in that movie, Officer Dangle says Miami people. Yeah. No, I, I went back. All I could find was him saying, this is Miami people. But I, was, mm. I couldn't really find like a good... I wanted the soundbite of him saying Miami. The movie is on HBO Max. So is it? Maybe if they do a third time, we'll All have right. to. 
Maybe. But boys, real quick, a little fun fact about Miami is that it has only snowed one time in the 305. And that one time happened on January 19th, 1977. The snow flurries only lasted from 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And temperatures that day, boys, dropped to 30 degrees Fahrenheit. And John, as someone who sweat through many of shirts that he wore mm-hmm. walking around Miami-Dade County, I think literally every shirt you wore, for sure, you sweat through. Could you imagine? Imagine it snowing and being 30 degrees oh, in dude, Miami. Those people, would they were probably like praying like, this is it. Uh, you know, this is an apocalypse. Cause, I mean, we hear about people in like Texas getting like a, a, an inch of snow and it shuts the whole state down. Or yeah. like, or Georgia. I couldn't imagine South Beach, Miami, like looking up and there's snow. You can't even be in the water. Like that's, that's crazy. Mm, yeah. So, I'd, I'd, I would just prefer to have seen the people there and their reactions. Mm-hmm. Like are them driving. Be interesting. Be yeah. interesting. John, uh, the goal on earth is to not end up in hell one day, right? That's what we're right. all living for. Uh, were you in hell for that week in Miami? <laughs> that fateful week in July At of, times, uh, man, I had, to, I had to really sit at my, look at myself in the mirror, sweating, uh, glasses fogged up, and say, you know what? Maybe this is what it's like. But then nighttime came, and I was like, you know what? This ain't too bad. The food's good. Or once I got in the water, it's like, oh, this is kind of mm. cool. So, I, saw, I saw John down bad a couple yeah. times. A couple times, John <laughs> down bad. Listen, and then, I'm just as bad in hot uh, water. Well, so it's I July can... at South Beach. Like, yeah, no well, thanks. Oh, then we went to Key West, which is even more south. Oh, and uh, let me tell you, I don't even know if John was alive for about 40 minutes oh. there. He was walking. His eyes weren't open. Like I said, glasses were fogged. I couldn't even see his yeah. pupils. They may have been dilated. Well, you know how Joe Rogan talks about like, being in that sauna and getting that like heat high? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't know half of what happened, dude. I was just... <laughs> I was just walking around with them, following them. I didn't even know what I was doing. Wow. Wore a white tee that day as well with no undershirt. So you yeah. could just see the chest hair, everything. But it was <laughs> there really wasn't another option for yeah. going to South Beach. I mean, that was going probably, shirtless. That's probably the most tactical option on your part, honestly. Yeah. Uh, we're Funny getting, enough, good. I got more sunburnt at the Cubs game than I did in Miami. That's wild to me. That's a good point. Yeah. Boys, we got to get to it. <laughs> we swear we're going to talk about UFC 287. I'm so pumped for this main event. Brandon, set us up for this middleweight title fight between Alex Pereira and his foe, Israel Adesanya. All right, guys. This Saturday, Alex Pereira puts his new middleweight around again on the line against the man he took it from, the longstanding former middleweight champ, Israel Adesanya. These men have met three times officially, twice in kickboxing and once in MMA, with Alex winning all three of those contests with two finishes, and Izzy, who was looking untouchable at middleweight prior to his fifth-round loss to Pereira last, or, yeah, last year, Showed a fantastic display of striking between the two men, with Izzy proving to be a quicker, but having a slight grappling edge within the contest, while Alex was the much heavier hitter, was able to match Izzy technique for technique, which is not something that any fighter's been able to do prior to Alex. Izzy was almost perfect for 22 minutes in that fight until Alex landed his left hand of death. The question coming into this fight is, can Izzy make the adjustments and show a true former champion's veteran mentality or does Alex just have Izzy's number? But what are the adjustments? Like, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of probably, Barry, I'm probably going to repeat some of this in my rundown because I have it in my notes. But, like, you just kind of set it up perfectly, so we're going to go with it now. But, like, going back and watching that first fight, like, what does Izzy do? Because I was thinking, like, okay, like, I've seen a lot of people say, um, well, yeah, the third fight. <clears throat> first fight in mixed martial arts, though. But I'm like, I've seen so many people say, right, like, oh, well, look at Alexa Garasso or uh, maybe Lee or somebody, uh, you know, like Raquel Pennington in the Amanda fight where sometimes just, like, switching your stance, right, can just really throw a fighter off. 
Izzy did that the whole fight. I mean, he he kind of never really, and every time, if anything, he went southpaw. He got lit up with a body kick every time. Go to, ahead. To me, two things stand out. One is moving forward. I understand that there's the potential for him to ease shots, but when he was moving backwards, to me, was when he was in the most danger from yeah. Alex. Because when Alex was just constantly putting that pressure on him. Yeah. The other thing is... Is the grappling? Yeah, like he, I mean, he, but it just seems so simple to say that. But it's like, but that's the answer to me. That's the answer to your question. It's yeah. those two things. If he's backing up and he's trying to counterpunch that, like he did, because the problem is Alex just has to land once. He yeah. threw like thirteen left hooks, only landed two, and we saw what, how the second one went. Right? Yeah. So that's I don't feel like that's the game you want to play over five rounds. You have to be willing to in that first round. He almost put Alex out. Sure. So I feel like he just has to be confident in his hands and really go after him. What does he have to lose at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also staying away from that leg kick. Um, Izzy was very at the very end of the fight was talking about how his movement and his footwork got really hindered by that uh, that nerve from taking those calf kicks mm -hmm. from Bejeda, and he has to stay away from that because his movement is what was keeping him alive in some of those exchanges. Um, in that fifth round, what you seen was Bejeda was really in close, and Izzy felt safe having his hands on his shoulder or by his head, yeah. but that left hook would creep up and boom, hit his you know hit him in the chin. Um, and I do think control time is part of it, but I do know when you break away from something, you know it can make you tired. So there's definitely that danger part of it. But he had like what six minutes of control yeah. up against the cage. Yeah, most of that was in that one round. No, for sure. Was, but yeah. but you have to do something like that against mm -hmm. somebody who has such an X factor like Alex does with his hands. Yeah, it just makes you wonder that mental side too. Of I mean, just losing to this guy now for three times, you know, consecutively, and um, whether they were in the mixed martial arts or not, it's like. Yeah, it just it just makes you wonder too the mental of like can he just get over that hump? I don't know. I just mm -hmm. I just think it's so weird when you look back on it and you're like, man, like now that we're here today and we know what we know, what really can he do differently? I mean, I don't know. Well, how do you feel about the difference between on the mental side where he was in a position where if he doesn't get put up against that cage like that and he circles away, he probably wins that fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's fair too. And there's a difference between how he got knocked out cold in the second kickboxing fight and how this one went, whereas like he was almost there. It just so happened to slip up and, and kind of get cornered in. So I wonder if, if maybe he does have some gain confidence from how maybe. you know the first four know. rounds go. I don't know. It's interesting. Like I said, I'm ready to hear you guys' thoughts. Break it down. Make your pick. Brandon, take us away. I got to go with Alex. I went with him the first fight. Uh, he won. I, it, and as much as I was just talking about what I think the adjustments are for Izzy, I I feel as much as as much as he can make adjustments, Alex just knows I can finish this guy. I've sure. done it twice. I can hang with him on the feet. If Alex has any adjustments to make, it's just in the grappling department. And let's not forget, you two, Alex landed a takedown in that first round. And it was a decent one. It, was it wasn't bad. It's probably what got him his brown belt. Could be. Um, <laughs> so it's not as if Alex is completely out of his wheelhouse, you know, on, on the ground as well. But I, I, I'm going with Alex here. I think it's going to be another finish. And I think it might even be a little earlier. I'm going to go with fourth round TKO for Alex. I like it. Uh, John, I mean, we can ask you who you're going to pick, but we know what kind of pick this is. Only yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, like just, to, just to give a little bit of uh, uh, insight behind it, though, I do think that Izzy looked really good within those first four rounds. I thought he did a good job of being aggressive, something that we hadn't seen him do in previous fights. I do think he needs to find that um, that middle ground and maybe – 
you know, make this a thing where he has to make Alex hunt him down a little bit more, get him more tired because we do know Alex cuts a lot of weight. He's huge. He probably never fights at 85 after this. So he has to kind of use that veteran championship mind state of, you know, I got to get this into the deep rounds and really make him work for it. So I'm going to take Israel Adesanya by a decision. Yeah, I think this to me is the biggest middleweight title rematch since Silva Weidman. And oh, go ahead, Reese. Well, just one thing on the rematch yeah, piece. I was reading this article last night. Is there's only been um, well, there's been 16 total times where a champion has gotten an immediate rematch following his loss. Mm-hmm. The record for champions in their rematches is four and thirteen. That's interesting. So mm-hmm. in the four, if you guys are curious, the four that had the uh, wins, Amanda Kane. It was uh, Randy Couture Kane. Uh, GSP and Stipe. Oh, I guess I mean, okay, yeah. that, this must be updated, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, who's that boxing guy that now watches MMA? Teddy uh, Atlas. Teddy Atlas. He had that thing about Leon uh, that where he said that when you win the belt, you instantly get like 40% better or mm-hmm. something like that. So statistically, that kind of holds up, actually. Um, but yeah, this reminds me kind of of Silva Weidman as well. It kind of shades of that where this dominant champion lost in shocking fashion, but then like kind of, and I'm not coming at you for this, John, but as a fan, you kind of have your built-in excuse of like, oh, you know, he was playing around, you know, Silva, what? believe me, I was on that train too. Like, mm-hmm. dude, he was just dancing. He just got caught. It's no big deal. He'll get him in the next one, you know, but it just it kind of feels like that as well. Um, but what intrigues me as well with this matchup is um, this fight for, between these two, they genuinely just match up so well together you know for what both of them do the other is really a dream matchup really essentially and even though izzy has never beat Pedeta, he knows he has all the tools to do it um mm-hmm. And one thing, um, not just the last fight, but every time these guys have fought, even outside of MMA, has shown us is both of these guys are more than capable of landing big on the other. Izzy, like you said, Brandon took uh, Lex took Izzy down. Excuse me, but. 20, 30 more seconds in that first fight of mm-hmm. that first round uh, wasn't that when Izzy caught him big. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, come on, man. That fight's over, right? Um, mm-hmm. But going into that uh, first fu- that last fight, the case for Alex was that Izzy isn't the best grappler, and he's beat him twice in kickboxing. So if it plays out like that. And then the case for Izzy was that this is MMA and not kickboxing. Mm-hmm. And as I just said, we're here today. We know what we know now. And all of that in the end, as far as it being MMA, didn't matter. Um, so it's really hard for me not to pick Lex here unless Izzy wants to make it kind of a very like tactical and I'll say the word somewhat boring fight by just staying on the outside and kind of picking at Pedeta, kind of like he did against Yoel mm-hmm. um, or possibly re- uh, wrestle. As you guys mentioned, Izzy's most dominant round was that third round and he took Pedeta down and controlled him for four minutes of the five uh, in that minutes in that round. But I just don't think that's who Izzy is, man. And I mm-hmm. think inside of him, he's such a competitor and he's such a gamer and he's so big on all that. Like he wants to, he wants to do it the way he wants to do it, right? Mm-hmm. He's not going to, I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to switch it up what got him here. Um, and even if wrestling, though, is the game plan, I don't know if there's been enough time for him to really get that much better than Alex to really dominate him over five rounds. We saw the one round, but these guys kind of remind me, like even seeing Pereira take Izzy down, where it's almost like when me and John roll, like whoever's on top is probably going to win the round. You know what I mean? Like that's just what it is. Uh, um, but unless Pedeta's defense is that bad, uh, which I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because you have to think he's been working on his defense this whole time too. He knows now he the confidence has to be there on the feet to where he's like, okay, I just got to round out my game all around now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but cardio is a question mark, as John kind of alluded to with Alex. That That is a question mark how for can, me. How can that be a question mark when he goes out and finishes in the fifth Cause round? Because he, he just, you know how much he does cut. 
and he's he's done it phenomenally. Like so far, well, he, he, he has. Said, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say too, real quick is. He he did he did seem a bit tired, um, but even in I think it was the Bruno Silva fight, he seemed like that fight really got to him mm-hmm. as the fight. But he finds a way to win. But you just know one bad cut and it could go bad. I mean, yeah. we've just seen that, right? Well, when he fought Strickland, he said like I felt the pressure he was putting on me, and I had to get him out of there because yeah, Izzy's could, not that fighter. Well, but Izzy is he does put a lot of uh, stuff together, and he makes you chase him down, and he takes angles. So I just feel like and that body last. kicks if you're if you're cutting hard. And it's tough for you. You eat a couple to the body. That can be that could be rough. I don't understand Pajeda training with like heavyweights for this. I feel like Izzy's so fast and he's so hard to hit that you'd be better off training with smaller, faster guys. I don't um, know to hunt him down, but he does have the best haircut in this situation. He didn't. Izzy just didn't have much luck with kicks. I feel like in that last fight, he he landed some good leg kicks, but he also got hurt. Like you you mentioned, yeah. not getting hit with the leg kicks. I feel like a lot of the problem for Izzy was when he threw the leg. Alex just checked so yeah. many of them mm-hmm. and eventually added up. Yeah, and, and I know I was kind of going down that road with the weight cut stuff because I think if he does have a bad cut, it, it there's no doubt over five rounds that will affect him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Durability is a, a huge thing going into this fight for me for picking Alex um, because by taking that big shot from Izzy in early in this fight where maybe um, if there was, like I said, 20, 30 seconds left, he wins that fight. But even still to come back, regain that composure in between rounds and still be there in round five to even get the finish, that can't be ignored either. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the weight cut could be a thing, but you can't ignore that Like he continues to find ways to dig it out regardless. Um, and I also just think, like I said, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far, but the mental edge to me, there's something there. I mean, we've just heard too many fighters, you know, kind of talk about that kind of stuff and um, and I think knowing for LX that he's now beat Izzy in his sport, right? Mm-hmm. This is Izzy's sport. Like, I mean, he's three times almost the fights that Pedeta does, mm-hmm. you know, over a very short amount, a longer amount of time, I mean. But um, I think this would be huge for Izzy and his legacy if he can get it done. I mean, imagine if he finds a way to shut everybody up like us, you mm-hmm. know, me and Brandon sitting here like, what do you do, you know? <laughs> uh, but I do like Alex Pedeta here. And I'm with Brandon. I actually like it inside three rounds. I think, I really think Alex is going to come out and just, he's, he, there's no way he wants to go five rounds again. I just don't think so. Um, and I do like him by knockout. So let's go third round, KO, TKO for Alex Pareda. I thought retain. it was uh, interesting, Izzy basically saying that he knows this is his last shot to ever fight him again. He has see, to kind of leave it all yeah, out there and go for it. it, it you know, and I, and I did see that quote, and I and I kind of thought about bringing that up because I was like, you know what, like in the end, I didn't really go down that hole too far because I was like, I could see that, like I see what he's saying, you mm-hmm. know. But it also is one of those things to me where I kind of question just historically when fighters say that, like this is my last chance. Is like, are you trying, or do you have to mentally try to get yourself? Is that you, you know, trying? Because we know Izzy is so big on the mental side mm-hmm. of things, and it's like, is that kind of his mantra going into this mm-hmm. that he needs to kind of keep himself going and motivated right. well and it's interesting too because i remember him saying um initially his coaches didn't want him to take it immediately yeah they wanted to have him take some time and get better and he was the one who was chomping at the bit to get back to it so it'll be interesting to see what that form of izzy is because mm-hmm. we haven't seen that yet there's a reason coaches have a different perspective on things it's true it's true as well john set us up for our co-main event between gilbert Verne burns Burns. <laughs> Gilbert Burns. Between Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. All right. In our co-main event, we have number five, Gilbert Burns taking on, and I said Burns. It's, you said it. it's so tough. Number five, Gilbert Burns taking on number 11, Jorge Masvidal. I think you're thinking, like, for me, I think I'm, 
processing the V in Masvidal. Right. So I'm like, Gilbert Vernes versus Jorge. <laughs> go ahead. There's absolutely no way the UFC was going to go to Miami without booking the Miami native himself. Yeah. And I imagine that pop he'll receive when he walks out is going to be monstrous. Well, and then Gilbert Burns lives and trains right. in South Florida. So. Uh, you couldn't really get a better uh, matchup for this. Uh, Burns is coming off back and forth. Um, fights in his last five alternating wins and losses. Granted, those losses were to the then-champ Kamaru Usman in a very close decision loss to Hamzat Chemaev. His most recent fight being a, vi a submission victory over the very tough Neil Magny. On the other side, Masvidal is coming off of a stretch of three losses, but those three losses were a last-minute fight against Kamaru Usman, a rematch against Usman, and then a grudge match mm. against Colby Covington. Um, both guys finding themselves in an interesting position in the division where a statement win could put them in title contention, especially <coughs> with the new champion that neither one of them have fought in Leon Edwards. Uh, look for Jorge to try to set up big shots and stay away from scrambles, while Burns should look to copy his uh, Neil Magny performance and be calculated, get this fight to the ground, and get him out of there. Yeah, the stakes are interesting, um, but I think the performance as well. Like, if one of these guys wins big, it's going to really make it in interesting, even though it sounds like it is going to be mm -hmm. Colby next. Um, Especially but, with the, the background <laughs> stuff with Masvidal and Leon. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, but I mean, right. the rumor is it's Colby, I mean, in July, I think I saw, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to change that much, but hey, I mean. But you, if you're Jorge, you have a storyline no matter who wins, and if they're yeah. willing to give Colby an automatic, maybe if you're Jorge, you're in a situation where that's plausible, but he has to get through a very, very Could tough be. fighter first. Could be. Brandon, give us your pick and yeah. prediction. So, I really like Burns here. Um, Mazadol is extremely tough to put away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Usman just did it, but I think that he's a lot more of the exception than the rule right against uh, Masvidal. And I, I think if I think if Burns gets it done, it's by submission. But again, I don't know if he does it. So I'm going to take Gilbert Burns by decision. Mm. Well, for me, um, Masvidal, I, I felt like he looked his best um, against Askren and Diaz, and obviously these last three haven't been his best performance. Um, obviously the last-minute fight against Usman, he kind of held out and got to a decision. Second fight, he gets put out, and then Covington kind of just outclasses him in their fight. He had one big punch, but outside of that, he just really wasn't able to offer much. Now, I don't know that Burns offers the amount of like wrestling to kind of stifle some of the striking, but we also know that Burns is very game, super good chin. I mean, just going back, if you go back and watch him and Hamzat, it's just them guys were just teeing off on each other. Um, but I do think there is an X factor with Burns on the ground. Um, I think if he's able, because we've seen Masvidal be able to be controlled a little bit, but also if, if Burns is able to do that, I think he can get to a submission and get it to a scramble. So I'm going to take Gilbert Burns' uh, second-round sub. Yeah, so I'm going to take Dorino Burns here on this one as well. I actually, the decision was going to be my pick as well. So good good call there by Brandon because I, I like that pick. Um, I will go ahead just for the record. I'll take third round submission. Why not? Um, but And my reasoning for taking Burns is that since that Usman fight, we've seen him really elevate himself to another level. I mean, other than the Hamza fight, obviously, where a loss is a loss, but um, that was a fight where just both guys came out looking phenomenal, honestly, including mm -hmm. Gilbert Burns. Um, but I really feel like Gilbert is one of the best finishers in this division, along with Shavkat Rachmanov, um, with, with Hamza now is apparently going to middleweight. So I'll take him out of that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but he has the ability to really finish the fight everywhere. 
Um, and I just think, obviously, like you guys mentioned, the jujitsu discrepancy that he creates against one of the most top welterweights is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically in scrambles, I think he's great. I also think he might look to bust up Masvidal's legs uh, a little early to help make those takedowns a little easier as the fight goes on. And I just think with this being a three-round fight, he's going to come out and really look to push the pace early. Um, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I just feel like with Burns, though, I think he's just kind of crossed into this thing now where it's like not that the Usman fight was so bad, but I think he just kind of was getting away from who he was. And I feel like mm-hmm. then in the Wonder Boy fight, again, it wasn't the most, impre- like, I mean, it was impressive, but not the most fun watch, you know, you'll ever see. You know, he took him down and controlled him. Obviously, the Shamaya fight, crazy. Um, and then against Magny, just took him down, just needed mm-hmm. the one takedown. But I think we're seeing Gilbert really get back to his grappling base there. And I think that could be the difference here. But again, Masvidal does train with Bo Nickel. So I do, I will say... Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and not to get too into the facts, I don't care, but it's also worth noting that Mazinal's takedown defense is like 74% right it's now. It's great, man. In his last three fights mm-hmm. were Usman, Usman, and Colby. And, right. and even though I'm taking Burns as my pick, um, this one is interesting to me the more I do think about it. You know, the odds to me feel a bit excessive from what I've seen some like sites having the odds uh, at. Burns at minus 500. And I think it's more like a three. Yeah, I think it's more like minus three. You're looking at ESPN. There's... There's suck. Um, and I guess I will present to you guys as a question, but I also, not to bury it too much, but I do know where Brandon's facts don't care is going. So, Brandon, if you feel like this is going too, like we could discuss it then, we can save it for that, shelf it for then. But um, keeping in mind that this ju- is just a three-round fight, I'm trying to keep it fight-specific, so I don't think it'll cross over too much with what you're doing. But do you guys not see a world where Masvidal, who, as Brandon said, has phenomenal takedown defense, really tough to take down, can't keep this fight on his feet against Burns, who has just a career takedown accuracy of 35%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not great. Um, and could finish Dorino on the feet. I mean, is that a stretch to you guys? No. And, and I, I mean, think- I just I feel like those odds are just crazy because I'm like – He's not the easiest guy to take down. And we know, regardless of where Masvidal is in his career, he can put anybody out. You know right. what I mean? So Well, and, you, and when I was saying about Burns not really having necessarily the wrestling to apply the same amount of pressure, you don't want to get you know a little bit impatient and just do a dumb shot and now you're right. in the knee like a, a Ben Askren so that but I do think if you're Burns if you're getting him up against the cage maybe work a trip something like that sure those things keep you out of the danger zone but if you get desperate because you're getting tagged up and you shoot Masvidal will punish you yeah no I, I think it's plausible now I think likely and possible are two very different things sure uh, but no I could see a world I can see it yeah and I guess I this last Burns is just a more calculated less sure like, like if his wife tells him hey tap him yeah. and get him out of there you gotta assume that's and what he's gonna don't do don't forget Burns cracks too right like you yeah that's what I said yeah. you finish it yeah. Kamaru he, he wobbled him yeah. right off the, yeah right in the beginning of that fight yeah I guess I just think maybe we're just everybody's looking way too much into the actual results of mm-hmm. the fights with for Masvidal in terms of three straight losses losses, which yes, you have to judge them on that somewhat. I'm not saying that, but they were all title fights. They were all five rounds. They were all main events and they were all against really, really good wrestlers who, yeah, all took him down, but all, it was not, I mean, you go back and watch, watch that Colby fight. Colby took a while for him to really get Masvidal down. So, I mean, this is just a three round fight. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's like a little crazy. Like everybody's just like writing him off right off the top. So I just was kind of like, man, I could just really see him giving burns of trouble mm-hmm. and then knocking him out eventually so well and even if you look at some of like the till fight and some of these other fights sometimes he is a little bit slow to get to that big punch yeah but he does set people up with some really big stuff so yeah 
Burns will have to be careful. <laughs> In our next featured fight, boys, number six, Rob Font versus number 12, Adrian Yanez. And boys, Rob Font returns after a one-year layoff. He comes into this fight riding a two-fight losing streak, which uh, setbacks against Jose Aldo and most recently Marlon Vera. Uh, Font is coming into a fight with back-to-back losses for the first time in his career. Um, he was, however, on a four-fight win streak before the consecutive losses, which included wins over Cody Garbrandt, Marlon Moraes, Sergio Pettis, and our boy Ricky Simone. That one's aged really well. Mm-hmm. His opponent, Adrian Yanez, comes in as one of the Bantamweight's brightest young prospects. Since entering the UFC through Dana White's Contender Series, Yanez is a perfect 5-0 and in the organization, and four of Yanez's five wins have come by way of knockout or TKO, and his last win was a first-round knockout over Tony Kelly in June of last year. This is undoubtedly, though, the toughest test of his UFC career, and I think it'll be so interesting to see if he's ready for a matchup like this against a top bantamweight, or will Font put an end to the losing streak and set his eyes back to the top of the bantamweight division, baby. Brandon, give us your picks and prediction. Yeah, so... I feel like Giannis and Font are very similar in the way they fight. Um, I think that they both like to, you know, they're not big grapplers. They both like to stand and trade. And to me, Giannis is the younger, faster version of Font. Yeah. So I like Giannis here. I'm taking Giannis by decision. I'm really big on Adrian Giannis. Sure. I, I feel like this this climb that he's had has been crazy. That last fight against Tori Kelly, I mean, he just, it got to a point to where it was almost looking sad. Like he was, Tori Kelly was just kind of rolling around and he's just hammer fisting him from different directions. Um, I love his his leg kicks. I love his hands. He's tough. He can take punches. Um, I'll be interested to see how Rob Font looks coming off of two losses, but mm-hmm. also, you know, fights that were v- uh, very tough for him as far as his style. And I don't think that Adrian Yanez is going to bring the same stuff as like um, a Cheeto or a Aldo, mm-hmm. but there is a similarity with Aldo with that boxing heavy um, base. So I'm going to take... Worth mentioning, Rob Font did miss weight in his last fight pretty mm-hmm. significantly as well. I think he had oh, the yeah. Marlin fight. I think he was like... 138 so i just I, I didn't put it in there but if you're you know kind of looking at things that could be mm-hmm. well and, and i think with Yanez is i think he's he's very very game and he does i mean i think espn has him as zero takedown accuracy or average like he doesn't that's not his game but i do think he does a very good job of taking his angles and uses his hands yeah and i think when rob Fox starts getting busted up he starts getting a little bit um gun shy a little bit and i think Yanez can bring that out so i'm going to take adrian Yanez. i will say uh third round tko Okay, so both of you guys taking Yanez, and guess what? The king thought you guys would say as much. <laughs> um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Yanez handles the pace and volume from Font. You know, Font usually outthrows his opponents in every fight, win or lose. Um, it is absolutely nothing for Rob Font to throw 100-plus strikes around over five rounds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen from Yanez where he can struggle with the volume and pressure like he did against Randy Costa in that fight. I mean, he was almost essentially losing that fight up until the knockout. Um, but what makes a guy like Yanez so special, though, is even in in that fight, um, his speed and combos are just so next level, and he finds a way to win. Um, he's one of the few guys who, in my opinion, who can throw like a four-punch combo that starts with the body and ends in the head and mm-hmm. vice versa. I mean, it's it's unreal. His boxing is next level. Um, he's He is definitely special, and I do think he will fight for a world title one day. I'm just not sure um, if that's 
if he's special enough to beat a Rob Font right now, and that's what makes this so tough for me to pick. Um, and while I don't feel great about it, I think I am going to lead, lean Rob Font here. I like him by unanimous decision. Um, but to me, either way, probably fight of the night candidate here. This could possibly even be one that we're talking about at the end of the year. I could see this just being a three-round banger. I mm-hmm. really could. And like I said, not even just fight of the night. This could be fight of the year. I mean, these yeah. two guys are just exciting. And I'm, I'm for it. Um, but I just think, I don't know. I just think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I like Rob Font here. And Giannis has multiple fights of landing over 20 leg kicks in a fight. And in these smaller divisions, that can be really taxing on guys. Last fight, I didn't have to use any because he used his hand so well against Tori Kelly. But I'm excited to see the chess match and see um, if, if Adrian Giannis is really who I feel like he is and mm-hmm. if Rob Font can bounce back. That's the real yeah, question. Yeah, because if you beat Rob Font, you're, you're a different level, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go through yeah. his losses and he's only losing to top guys. And, and so it will say a lot about Yanez if he can beat Rob Font. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys, we are going to move into our one-point picks. Those are our three featured, uh, so three possible points there by calling the winner, method, and round. These ones, we just need the winner there for one point. Um, we'll say off top, really bummed about this, but Lee Zhilin and Michael Chiesa scrapped. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, was it was it Lee that dropped out? Yeah. Okay. Because a couple people called out Chiesa for to jump in, and he didn't want Yeah. I, as of right now, they still haven't found Chiesa an opponent. So um, we're going to – I mean, I guess if midweek they say one, we could just do it privately and announce it next week. But our one-point picks, the first one, boys, Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Boys, Kevin Holland comes in off back-to-back losses against Hamzat Shimaev and Wonderboy Thompson. Pons is coming in off a comeback-of-the-year candidate win in his last fight against Alex Morono, where he won by third-round TKO. Brandon, who you taking? Kevin Holland. I don't think do you want to expand? Or no, no, no it's you're one good. Point, Whatever right? you want to say, you can expand. It's up to you. Just good. Right. Uh, I'm gonna go Kevin Holland as well. I feel like Ponzinibbio <sighs> having to come back. It's tough because yeah. Kevin Holland can go for those three rounds and just constantly use that length. 81 inch reach. He has like eight inches of reach on him. I think he's gonna use that a lot. These two. Look, here's what's so tough about this picking. This for me is these are two guys that I never get right. I mean, I just. <laughs> I, I'm like probably 50-50 on both of them. I mean, when it comes to calling their fights, I do feel like Kevin Holland is the safer pick here just because, you know, since Ponzinibbio has come back, it just he hasn't came back where he left off right after the long layoff. Oh, but where is Kevin Holland mentally? I feel like he was impressive in that Wonder Boy fight. Honestly, I feel like he was just a... If he hadn't just in his mind, I'm just going to strike with Wonder Boy, he probably would have won the fight. Right. I think they don't make that same thing. Yeah, I want to split you guys, but I think I'll go Kevin Holland here. Um, Like I said, it's probably the safer bet, but... Honestly, with these two guys, I just, good luck. Right. <laughs> I mean, I would stay away from this fight if I was uh, putting money up. Boys, the next one-point fight, I'm excited for this one as well. Kevin Kelvin, excuse me, Gastelum versus Chris Curtis. Boys, Gastelum is returning after an almost two-year layoff. Most of that time for Gastelum was spent sidelined with injuries. His last fight was August of 2021, where he lost a unanimous decision to Jared Cannonier. Uh, Kelvin has won just one fight, boys, in his last. Six. His opponent, Chris Curtis, has been in fine form during uh, Gastelum's hiatus. Curtis has won four of his five UFC fights and come comes in off his second round TKO over Joaquin Buckley. Brandon, who you taking? This one's interesting. I thought this one was actually a little tougher for me than the Holland fight. Um, I 
I like this Curtis. I, I like Curtis in this one. I think the two-year layoff was pretty big just with the injuries for Kelvin. I, if Kelvin can actually get back to a little bit of his grappling base, I think he has a lot more success here. But I think if he stays on the feet, I'm going with Chris Curtis. Jack Hermanson didn't have much luck against um, Gaslam. Or, um, excuse me, uh, Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis, though. Yeah. Say that again. Uh, Hermanson didn't have much luck against her. Uh, Okay, Jack Hermanson didn't have much luck against Chris Curtis when they fought. In terms of the grappling, he just oh, outstruck him. Remember, oh, yeah. he kind of shocked. Everybody. But I don't remember him trying to grapple with him. Maybe he didn't. I Sorry. don't think. I don't think he did at all. <laughs> I just remember him putting on like a shockingly good. Oh, I think that was part of Chris's problem. He just, just frustrated the heck yeah, out of Chris Curtis. Yeah. yeah. Um, Who you got, John? I'm gonna say I like Chris Curtis as well on this man. I think that. Um, Gaslam has been out for a while. I do think him going and training with Henry can be uh, a big step for him as far as getting back to that wrestling. But I think that Chris Curtis, not only is he so active, but he also actively trains with one of the top middleweights in the division every day. And I think that's something that's hard to overlook. So I'm going to take uh, Chris Curtis in this one. This is why only one sits on top of the throne, boys. And I, I thought I you guys would say as much. Uh, this is this is tough. Chris Curtis uh, has never uh, been taken down, and that does include the da- Jack Hermanson fight. Um, and I just re- uh, rechecked my numbers, Brandon, my notes, and Jack Hermanson attempted six takedowns in that fight. Mm-hmm. So um, I had it in my notes. just didn't realize when we were talking about it. Uh, so, But Chris Curtis, like I said, never been taken down in his five UFC fights. Uh, but I am going to lean Gaslam here. And, and as crazy as it sounds, I kind of am picking him because I do believe in the triple C bump. Uh, yeah. And we know he's been out in Arizona for a while with Henry. Um, and I just think it's impossible not to get better being around Henry Cejudo. Uh, I could also see Chris Curtis boxing his ears off, but we know how tough Kelvin Gaslam is. Great chin, super durable guy. Um, I actually think, excuse me, he's one of those guys that at times has looked a little trigger shy from, mm-hmm. you know, you go back and watch that Izzy fight. It's like, where's that Kelvin been? You know what I mean? Yeah, he, but he I got ju- left in that ring. Absolutely. But like I said, man, what better guy to uh, tactically game plan for you than uh, Henry Cejudo? It's just whether Gaslam can go out and follow the plan. We'll mm-hmm. see. But I am going to go Kelvin Gaslam, boys. And that's all we have for UFC 287. Uh, unless any of you guys have any other fights that you want to talk about on this card. Uh, Watterson's on there. Um, you have Cynthia Calveo. You have that Ignacio. Um, he just one who had that really nice spin kick knockout and then kind of disappeared. Yeah, Gerald Mershart versus Joe Pfeiffer is another one mm-hmm. on this card where I'm like, look out for that fight. That could be a fun one. You don't want to talk about the kid? Oh, yeah. Sorry, man. I... Oh, not a fan yet not there i don't you know what it's so it's funny because i saw him like okay so raul rosas jr is on the main card he's fighting um christian rodriguez christian rodriguez it, man it's just so tough for me and and i guess my i, I don't even want to say beef because i think he's super talented he's like what 18 years old or something mm-hmm. like that um i'm just i don't know the push i just don't get it yet i i, I, I just noticed you didn't mention him i'm not i'm not saying it's is it that, I, I don't know I don't feel like it should be on the main card. I'll just, I'll I guess say that's that. kind of how I feel too. They, they bumped Curtis down for him. Yeah, right. Chris, yeah. Chris Curtis and Kelvin Gaslam's a main main card fight. Seven. I mean, hey, if you're not planning on buying this pay per view, you get a great prelim main event with that fight. But <laughs> right. but like, I'm just sitting here today, like as we're going through, and I'm just like, I mean, what do you say? I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? He's he's 18 years old. I mean, he's he's talented. I still think he could be great. But like, we've just historically seen where this, you know, we go back. 
Chase Hooper, I know it takes a lot of shit, but mm-hmm. like you go back and look at him and it hasn't really planned out for him or panned out when they do it in a similar mm-hmm. thing. So you just don't want to get too crazy with yeah. these guys. A lot right of young now. guys, him, you know, well, Sage but I will say he's talented, Sage Northcutt, but he yeah. is talented. Like, I'm not saying like, this is ridiculous. You know, it's just kind of like, like, let's just chill. And it's not like he's going against like world beaters, right? Yeah, the now. guy he's facing has been taken down 10 times in his last three fights. Right. Yeah. And he's a grappler. So they're just, <laughs> you know, they're kind of just teeing him up right now. And I get it. That's yeah. how you build people. But. Well, and you've know. seen and you've seen the different sides of their strategy with this. Most people didn't complain about Bo Nickel being in this spot with less fights, but I think people feel just more concrete about what Bo Nickel brings. Whereas, yeah. like you know, Patty had a little bit of a slow climb. Uh, O'Malley, like even like an Adrian Giannis on this card, like he's this is his like big bump up, but he's been, I mean, putting together first round knockouts, second round knockouts for his past four or five fights. So it's just interesting to see how they build that up. All right, boys, let's get to it. Brandon, it's that time. Facts don't care about your feelings. And I must say, before I press this button, the one that I think it is, I do not even remember which button is <laughs> the facts don't care about your feelings. So I'm going to press it and hope it is because without further ado, one of the greatest, I think some people I've heard on the interwebs calling this the greatest introduction song in sports entertainment history. It's time, Brandon. Facts don't care about your feelings with the Neon Belly Podcast. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I thought this was my segment. With your host, Brandon. That's my point. I know MMA. What I'm saying is it's overhyped. It's overrated. He doesn't give a damn about your feelings. You're reacting on feelings. I'm reacting on facts. Anderson Silva is one of the most overrated fighters of all time. Brandon's world-famous facts don't care about your feelings with the Neon Belly Podcast. I'm going to take some words from Ben Shapiro here. Facts don't care about your feelings. Never gets old. He don't give a damn. <laughs> I always forget about part. that part. Oh too. yeah, it always just hits like when uh, it makes you kind of like, oh yeah. I love it. Some people saying the best uh, introduction in sports his- entertainment history. I don't know. All right, are you guys like, ready? let's just say this real quick. Yeah, yeah, WrestleMania going on right now. Is that your WrestleMania walkout song? I mean, are we going that far? It would have to be. <laughs> yeah. you know? The Stone Cold can strut can be anything else. Let's see it. Let's go. Let's take it away. All right. See, so this one's a little different. You guys kind of know what's what's sure. coming up in some sense here. So we're gonna talk about Jorge Masvidal. Um, now, what what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna read off a few facts, okay. and then I'll kind of get to my my end note, and then we'll just kind of get your guys' reaction. Okay. okay. All right. Jorge Masvidal. Overall MMA record of 35 and 16. He's 12 and 9 in the UFC. His last six fights, he's 3 and 3. He was outstruck in his last three losses, 513 to 234. He was taken down 13 times in those three fights. Some people call Masvidal a striker. And I get you, I give, I grant that in his last three fights were against wrestlers. But again, look at the Colby fight, as you said, Nate, a lot of that was actually taking place on the feet. And Colby, he really was having his way with Masvidal on the feet as well, outside of the one punch. So then you go back and let's look at the three people he beat because he's three and three, right? Let's talk about those wins. So who is he beat? He beat Darren Till, who is currently one in six in his last seven fights, fighting four times in the last four years. He's also beat Ben Askren, who... Kind of won against Robbie Lawler, I guess. <laughs> um, and then went on to lose, or sorry, then Masvidal beat him, right, with that amazing knee, which we're going to get to. And then we saw Ashram go out against Damon Maia and put on, I mean, if that wasn't the best striking display ever, I don't know what is, right? So then he also beat Nate Diaz for the BMF belt. And, I mean, what can you say about that other than he beat Nate Diaz, who literally bleeds when he sneezes. So 
that fight ended via cut, you know, via via doctor stoppage. So to me, those wins really they weren't impressive at all. You could I'd give him the Nate Diaz one because mm-hmm. I think he displayed some some good striking against Nate. Sure. He's also a good striker. But my point in all of this is if Masvidal doesn't land that flying knee against Ben Askren, he's he's never going to have the pay-per-view bias he has. He's never going to have the status he has. Also, two two points I forgot to mention. He sucker punches Leon Edwards after the till fight, and then he also sucker punches Colby after his loss to Colby. So he's kind of making a name off of these... I don't know what else you could call him besides sucker punches. Look at how he beat Till. Look at how he beat Askren. It's almost like even in his fights, he wins off these kind of weird, out of nowhere punches, out of nowhere hits, and that's kind of what you know shoved him into stardom. So that's kind of my overall point with all this: is without that flying knee, we're not even going to be sitting here talking about Masvidal. I think even more so than the knee, though. I think the BMF title was huge for him. I, I really he do. Had the it. rock there, the, but the, the, but because, the only reason he got that was because of the knee. Right. That's kind of where I'm. I I, I, I grant sure. you, like the belt itself pushed him even further. But like we, that run, what was it? Three fight run, right? Mm-hmm. Where he beat Maya. It was Till. Uh, or uh, Till. Yeah, because he lost to Maya, lost yeah, to sorry. Thompson. So it was Till, Asker, and Diaz. So they gave him. But that. how much time was in that? Like what, that was all 2019. All in one year. Yeah. I mean, that's a massive year, though. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that, like, to beat Darren Till, which I don't know where his record was at that time. It was his first loss was Woodley, and the next fight was Masvidal. So sure. he was undefeated until that. Yeah. So to beat Darren Till, then you go and you fly. At 170. Yeah. Then you go and you flying knee Ben Askren, who everybody thought was just going to ground him and grind him for three minutes. And then, I mean, man, like I said, it all culminated that year, I guess, with the BMF title, mm. with The Rock wrapping it around his waist in the middle of Madison Square Garden, and it's, and I think, I think he's a guy that did everything that he could to just capitalize on every opportunity he had. Oh, well, yeah, one hundred percent. But I, I think if you look at it like skill for skill, I don't think Masvidal has been, or I don't think he will be, championship caliber fighter. I think Masvidal's issue. Where if I was going to push back is like, I almost think Masvidal spent too much time at lightweight. I think if Masvidal would have came up to welterweight um, a lot sooner, I think he would have been, I don't think this is like, you know what, I think he would have done more in the sport, if I'm being honest. I think he just spent way too much time at lightweight, in my opinion, and and, and too many like fluctuating performances down mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah, it's it's tough because I mean, there's a lot of fighters I feel like have that. Like, if this moment doesn't happen, I mean, everything is just you're one moment away from either being a superstar or being forgot about sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think a lot of it also has to do with his ability to be marketable and have this image. Like you, like as much as the sucker punch thing is something that you say is something he's building off of. I don't think that hurts him either. I think that kind of plays into kind of mm-hmm. his little anywhere, anytime. The Colby one, I think, does. Leon, right. Leon, no, but. Sorry, there was something I was going to say right when you were saying that. Um, what, what were you saying right before you talked about the just building brand? up his brand and oh and marketability? So, yeah. so before the flying knee, how marketable do you feel like Masvidal was? I still think he was really. Yeah, I think he's. What fight stood out well, to you? Wasn't the the three piece in a soda was before the? It was the, right after two. The knee. I, I just think a guy like him too. So, so I guess like before we get into that. So I know you're saying like your kind of whole thing over this this whole segment was to say if the knee never happens, he's not a massive star, or pay-per-view yeah. star or if whatever. He, if, he, if he beats Ashburn by decision, you think he, he he's still going to get that fight against Diaz for the BMF belt? 
He beats everybody. Yeah, because Askren came in as a champion and had the his yeah. first win in. Like he was ranked high f- sure. because of how he came if in. If he beats him by decision, you think they they push him like that? I still think they do. Yeah, because no the, way. Because the shot he landed was one in a million. I right. mean, it's, yeah, I mean it was massive. But I think you but. also got to think about the division at that time. Nate Diaz was close to a title shot too. They'll give him one at any point. Like we know that there's certain guys that are like that that can give you a rub if you do beat them in a certain way. And I think Nate Diaz is one of those guys because then it's always the, you know, somebody you can bring up. I don't think Masvidal was until again. That's my point. Until he landed that knee, like their their mm-hmm. thought was that as soon as Ashran gets a hold of Masvidal, it's a wrap. And I still believe if if Ashran had gotten a hold of Masvidal, I don't believe Masvidal would have won that fight. I think that based on how Usman, I don't know, dude. Right. Well, that's how all fights happen, though, right? But it's, Ben Askren's stand up was so bad. It was bad. terrible. It was <laughs> so bad. It was terrible. Because you, you would like to think that if uh, Masvidal got him in the same situation that Robbie did, he probably finishes. We were talking about when he was just throwing bombs off right. top right after he flipped yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, probably, but I don't even know if Masvidal has. I say that, but he's got the Bravo choke over Kiesa. I mean, he's got glimpses of mm-hmm. grappling in yeah. there, but. I don't know. I think the attachment to, like, the Kimbo stuff as well, the mm-hmm. pre, you know, UFC stuff is always, like, I think Masvidal was kind of always destined for what's happening right now anyways. Um, he's a he's phenomenal in terms of selling himself. People love him. I think right now behind Conor McGregor, there he is probably the next biggest pay-per-view star in the UFC. Um, you know, maybe John Jones being back could change that a little bit. I'm not sure. I haven't seen any numbers on what the surreal uh, pay-per-view did. But mm-hmm. I and, and the crazy thing about Masvidal is you say all that, but he has lost three straight, and he's still the biggest pay-per-view star. So my question is, what does that more or less say about everybody else? Everyone else that like yeah. in the UFC, yeah, because like Habib did a great job, you know, in terms of selling and things like that. His pay per views have done really well, but like, it's kind of like how I feel about with Connor. It's like you know, you can question like, well, why is this? Why is that? Because I do think if Masvidal beats Gilbert Burns, not to go too far backwards, I think he's going to get a title shot next. And I don't necessarily think that matters if it's against Colby or Leon because you could sell either one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, you could. So. He just kind of turned himself into one of those people at this point where whatever he does, as long as he can find a way to win somewhere in all the <laughs> the, the, the L's, so to speak, he's going to get opportunities. So let me ask you this. What do you think happens to him if he loses to Burns? Let's say Burns goes out there and subs him in two rounds. And so what do you mean? Like in terms of... Do, do you think he's still as marketable as he always has been and he could he could still put up those pay-per-view numbers. I mean, obviously he wouldn't get a title shot, but what do you do with him? Do you yes, think? I think he's still as marketable. Really, after yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know if he'll be like necessarily main eventing pay-per-views, but he's not main eventing this either. And again, I still think he's one of the biggest pay-per-view stars. They're, they're pro- I'm more shocked that they've never done another BMF title because you could make him a main event with that BMF title, right? But mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I just think he's a massive star. Well, and I think what it comes down to, too, is like I said, with the way he talks and his his image is it's the, there's not a lot of those type of guys in the UFC. Most of them are either, you know, kind of corny or just real quiet or kind of in the middle. And he just kind of plays this like, I'm a bad guy from the streets type of thing mm-hmm. that I think it's going to always be something people are willing to see against anybody because he sells. I just I just feel like prior to the knee that he never did. I mean, he wasn't ever going to be that guy. Like, and just think about how how 
with with internet and everything how viral that knee was right happen. yeah and because of that that's what brought all the people to you know the eyes to him and then when they latched on and then he just became that that's i guess that's just yeah. where i'm where i'm coming back yeah. to but. And, and there's and like i said there's there's points like that i think for a lot of fighters like if chris weidman doesn't knock out anderson in that first fight and he just loses i mean who knows whatever happens to him like all these there's always just one moment that can set somebody's whole trajectory in a whole different level and then we talk about how big confidence is in fighting once you land a knee like that confidence is through the roof and people love to see that well, Weidman's actually a good example you like look at him and what's what's he done the last five years you know i mean he's been right. pretty much just taking l's i don't I feel like anyone really talks much about weidman no what do you what do you think separates him from masvidal other than just fighting more and losing him more often the look the ability the look the ability to sell yourself the stuff you know the, he he was the first man yeah like we can talk all day about that neo and astro he was the first guy to finish yeah it, beat be great you guys your guys as go right do you well, feel like second he got tapped out before he came to the Oh, well, nobody really pays attention to that. I give God, he'll hooked. Hey. I know. But do, okay, so do, do you guys feel, what was the bigger moment, do you feel, in terms of impact on the UFC, the knee or Weidman beating Silva? Mm, that one's tough for two different reasons. Because I, I feel like the knee is something that played a part in the UFC getting bigger in the past couple of years. Well, mm. if you say like today, as we sit here today, the knee. Just because of recency bias? Maybe a little bit, but like nobody. Well, I, mean, I think also what you said, Chris Weidman kind of disappeared after that, though. He lost to, was it Rockhold and a couple uh, other people, and it's just kind of just been downhill for him well, since think then. Well, even in the lead up to this fight, <clears throat> how many times you're going to see that knee played over and over this week alone? Going into mm -hmm. this fight, you're going to see that knee on ESPN. You're going to see it everywhere well, that, that is promoting the fight. And I mean, even like you go back to like Edson Barbosa against Terry Edom, right? Imagine if social media was back then what it is today. What that could have done for a guy like Edson the wheel, Barbosa. The wheel kick. Yeah, the wheel mm. kick. Yeah. And, I mean, that could have been massive. And you also got to think about with, with Masvidal is, um, you know, you do have the three-piece in a soda stuff with Leon. You do have this running up on Colby after the fight thing where it's like people and people probably want to see him lose too. And we, we know that that's a thing too when it comes to selling fights is people want to see this, you know, regular guy knock him out because this guy likes to talk so much stuff about baptizing people and, mm -hmm. and taking him out. People kind of want to see that guy lose as well. And I think that's something that kind of plays into some of his marketability. I think he's a good fighter too. Yeah. I mean, he's not, I can't say he's bad. Look, That's the guy fights it, in the UFC and he's ranked really high. Like, yeah. you obviously don't get to where he is just because you, you absolutely suck. But yeah. I think if you look at him against the elite at 170, I just don't think he really has it. Um, but who's had it against Usman and Covington? That's Nobody. A good question. Um, but, a lot of, but a lot of people would say that Kobe didn't fight a lot of guys up to Usman. Right. And, uh, that's what I'm saying. The story just kind of interweaves so much with everybody. And I think there's a little bit too Masvidal doing like the allure of cutting cut weight in a couple of days, wearing the robe at the weigh-ins. Like he's final question though. Can you guys tell me like three fighters off the top of your head that Masvidal beat? We just said three. That not recent. Like pri let's say prior to his losses to Maya and Thompson. Mm. Three people he's beat. No, because he was a time. journeyman until until he went on that run. He was. That's a journeyman. what I'm saying. I think he just spent way too much time at lightweight. I really yeah. do, and I think it just because he was just up and down and up and down, and then seems like when he came to welterweight, he kind of put it all together. And that's tough too, because there's plenty of fighters who don't have a huge record of fighting like known people. I mean, Habib didn't fight known people for a long time. But when Islam he got to those people that right. were, they were up there, he beat them. No, for sure. And, and I, I'm not saying Masvidal's on that level, though. Mm. Uh, but I do think his branding is. Branding for sure. I think come Saturday, if he beats Gilbert Burns, 
if he beats Gilbert Burns, I got to shut up. It's gonna but. it's gonna be massive mm-hmm. for him. Massive. I mean, he is like if he's on another level right now. I mean, honestly, other than Connor, who's a bigger star? Like in terms of like. Everybody knows like, like Masvidal is like one of those guys where I always say like my gauge for somebody is like come the week of a fight if people are at work or saying the person's name I know they're big mm-hmm. like people that never talk about fighting to me or maybe don't even know can barely pronounce the name right but There's like some- hey, that George Masvidal's fighting you know what mm-hmm. I mean or something yeah. like uh, but he's one of those guys that people always are talking about I think the only person close might be somebody like it is he but the numbers don't necessarily always show that no. but he is very very well known I've seen interviews of like random rappers like yeah I pay attention to the Adesanya and he got mm-hmm. like a iPhone necklace because Adesanya got the Apple Watch necklace. Like there's certain little instances like that, but outside of that, Masvidal, his numbers are untouched outside of like a Connor or a John Jones. You knew John was gonna find a way to say Israel Adesanya here, boys. Uh, let's. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, it's not arguable. <laughs> Talking about Masvidal, <laughs> yeah. And John found no, a way to find. Who, who else does this? He is popular. Not really. Look at his YouTube channel. Look at his social media. He is popular. I not don't. really. I mean, that's your opinion. Numbers don't lie. You can I go mean, look them up. Show me the pay per view numbers, John. Let's I told you he doesn't news. do nearly as big numbers as him. Going on the news. Uh-uh. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. All right. Uh, although we didn't have UFC fights, we did have a lot of stuff going on this past weekend. So we're going to start things off with Bellator, where Kat Zanganu defeats Leah McCourt, putting her at four straight wins in Bellator, possibly looking at a fight with Chris Cyborg next. Um, both of them have both been calling for that one. Um, also, number seven ranked Daniel James continues the wild ride as he can knocks out another number five ranked opponent. At this point, you have to assume that he's going to take that number, and he's looking like a very interesting contender with two huge knockouts in a row now after taking advantage of being um, a, a local fighter in that Chicago show that we went to. Um, PFL also was the other night. Uh, Rob Wilkinson's improves to 5-0 and in the PFL after defeating former UFC title challenger Tiago Santos by decision. Um, also, 2022 PFL featherweight champion Brendan Lognon has now uh, had a near perfect performance kicking the legs out from under a uh, former UFC Log- contender. No, I thought it was Longmire. No, it's Lognan. Oh. Um but I watched the fight. So I I did watch PFL. Um and uh yeah, I mean I can see where if you're Marlon Moraes where it's like it's tough because you watch him and it's like physically he looks great Mm -hmm. he doesn't i mean he moves really well like he doesn't move it's just like the body is the the body yeah it's like i just think and then to be fair i mean that the 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 log what'd you say log it's lock non lock name something like that up that's that's terrible we should know that but i mean he had a great game plan by attacking the legs but Mm -hmm. it's like everything with marlon morice is like yeah i could see where it should all still be there but like his body just doesn't can't yeah. do it anymore. In the, in the first end of the first round, Marais had to kind of barely make it back to his corner. In the second round, like he took a leg kick to where yeah. he just went so hard that he wasn't going to defend himself and he couldn't get up. Like wow. he, which, as somebody who you know kind of feels bad for Marlon Marais, who we've seen just get devastatingly knocked out, I was glad to not see that in this instance. But I think that maybe it is time for him to look at something different because he just has not had his body just isn't standing up to these fights anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well in. Thiago Santos, very underwhelming performance from him as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that fight, it was just it, it, he's just man. It's there should almost be a case study on him. You yeah. know, you walk, you go back and you look at that run up to the John Jones fight, and then the Jones fight itself. And 
I mean, I guess it stops right there with the injury, right? But, man, just talk – and I guess that's kind of where you stop is, like, talk about injuries that just change people's mm-hmm. career forever. That's why, you know, when you talk about, like, a Mohamed Mokhaev with the knee bar a couple weeks ago or, like, a Tom Aspinall who's working his way back, it's like, man, you just see – there's just that's why you always get nervous for guys like that because mm-hmm. you've seen the bad side of it and to me Santos it's like and he's probably the same way where like he's more like mentally he can probably still feels like he has it but man it's just it's like he's a shell of himself and there's a thing with just losing to John Jones Dominique Reyes mm-hmm. didn't look the same yeah even like an OSP like there's some people who just don't don't look the same after that see how gone looks yeah uh also had game bread boxing happening um yesterday or Saturday, uh, Vitor Belfort defeating Jacare Souza by decision. Jose Aldo and Jeremy Stevens fighting to a majority draw. And headliner Anthony Pettis upsets Roy Jones Jr. with a majority decision. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards, Pettis saying that he would love the chance to fight Anderson Silva boxing that was supposed to happen as an MMA fight at some point, and he would love to see it happen in the ring. Huge win for uh, Pettis in Milwaukee, his hometown. Yep. Uh, also, we had Anthony Joshua in boxing defeating Jermaine Franklin in the O2 arena. Pretty easy, kind of snoozy decision. Um, Anthony Joshua kind of handpicked this guy, and it's yeah. just... He hasn't fought uh, Fury or Wilder yet, and I think that's what everybody's waiting on. But as somebody, he's been knocked out by people before, so I think he's kind of ducking them a little bit. Um, See, that's what's so tough with boxing. Like, why would you want to be a fan of the sport where one of the best guys just fights nobody, just fights right. paint cans? Yeah, they, it is It is tough the, on that. The best people never fight, ever. Hardly well, ever. we have that coming up with... Um, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. And that's, yeah. And Devin Haney and Lomachenko. I'm glad they got those fights put together, but, like, those are, like, dime a dozen. Like, that, like, next and never happens. Yeah. It's just interesting, like, coming off of the all the kind of flack, sometimes we can give Dana and those guys for, like, the fights that they do put on, like, with Colby jumping the line and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, but then you go look at a boxing and it's like, yeah, we can get upset about, like, Colby jumping the line and how that's not, you know, all that bit. In the grand scheme of things, we do get to see the best fight the best yeah. almost every weekend. Yeah. And and that's a, a, a product of not having, you know, a wide open thing where you can go fight in other promotions and hold up belts or kind of get get gave a a, a mandatory opponent and but that's and also drop interesting it. too, right? When we, people give Dana Flack for the way fighters have contracts and they yeah. can't go mm-hmm. outside of the UFC and all that sort of thing, and that's another part of right what, but at least with the ufc like we're talking about three to four people that could fight leon next right like in boxing it'd be more like it'd be more like if leon was like no i'm not gonna fight Bilal or colby like i want to fight who's like an unranked welterweight that, like, you know what i mean like right. it'd be like like leon saying like no i'm gonna fight that guy chiesa or something yeah we're i mean even worse than that sometimes in some cases right. where you're just like who what like what are we doing here so like it yes i see what you're saying but that's why i love mixed martial arts the best mm-hmm. do always fight the best and like regardless whether i agree if colby should be next or not he's gonna get you know what i mean like everybody mm-hmm. kind of eventually you, there's nowhere to hide you know what right. i mean like not, once again, not to go too far back, just something I was going to bring up with Rob Fawn is like, I couldn't imagine like being in the bantamweight division or some of these other divisions, not just the bantamweight, and going on like a two or three fight skid because you go on a two fight skid. I think Rob Fawn at one point was ranked like three or four. You go on a two fight losing streak, right? And now you're at number six and you're reaching back trying to face number 12 to get a win and get going again. And your number 12 is Adrian Giannis. <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, as a fighter, man, like it just makes me, I mean, 
not that I don't have a ton of respect for these, you know, guys that do this already, but it's like in mixed martial arts more so than any sport. It's like, it, that's gotta be so unreal because like you can be Anthony Joshua or uh, yeah, Anthony Joshua mm -hmm. lose to Usyk, who is his last fight. Correct. Right. And then go fight some, you know, no disrespect, but some can that nobody knows about right. get a win on pay-per-view and make a ton of money and get mm -hmm. your name back up. You don't have that luxury. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In MMA and especially not in at the top, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, like I said, I, once again, like not to go too far back, but like that was one thing with Rob Font where I'm like, gosh, dude, when you're like fighting for your life, trying to like, I can't lose three in a row. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, well, we'll give you the number, a young guy who's ranked number 12. And then you're like, Adrian, you like, what? You know yeah, what I mean? That, that's like, one thing about boxing that I do wish they would take from MMA is just that the stigma of losing kind of like completely derailing everything you have going. Once you lose, you're kind of put into the spot to where you're just like down a couple of tiers yeah. in boxing because of the rarity of getting the big matchups. Yeah, because I, I just couldn't imagine a world where like now Kamara Usman goes and faces some unranked welterweight like that's just right. great you know just to try to get a win back you know what mm -hmm. i mean or something it's like it's just not how it works man and that's why i love mixed martial arts and 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 like you said to yeah i see what you're saying with you know at least the best fight the best but we are talking about like four guys that deserve it so it's not like mm -hmm. somebody doesn't deserve it over the other but yeah right um last thing i got is some fight announcements uh bellator announcing a return to chicago with a couple really huge fights Corey anderson will be facing phil davis uh, bantamweight champion Sergio Pettis will put his belt on the line against featherweight champion Patricio Pitbull and lightweight he or light heavyweight champion Vadim Nimkov will be fighting Yoel Romero for the title in Chicago. Nice. Kind of sounds like we need to make another trip, but we'll see. How Dude, that works. here's the thing: I put it in the group chat and I got crickets. Nobody said anything. Man, it's just so tough. When is it? Uh, July. What's tough about it's in June? I thought it was June twenty second. It might be. Yeah, June nineteenth. I thought or June something. I mean, what's tough? I mean, that's around. Just I, I just don't know. No, 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 let's June. I want no. John to answer. I want John. My to girlfriend's answer. birthday is June twentieth. Okay. Um, and I just don't know what the expenses are going to be like. That we might not be at work. I mean, then. you did it. You yeah, did it already, once. so you know how much it costs. Yeah, but I've had other stuff happen since then, man. Like you what? just never know. I had car trouble, I bought some <laughs> things. Like, you just never know what's going to happen. Got to be smarter with budgets, man. I just have to see how it works. Mm. All right, Brandon. Well, while John's worried about inflation and stuff, me and you will go. <laughs> Lastly, UFC... <laughs> Uh, UFC 289 is adding a big fight with Dan 50K Ige against Nate Landwehr. Yeah, I love Get the train going, yeah, baby. Yeah, that's a fun, fun fight. I love that. And uh, headlining June 17th fight night, we have Josh Emmett making his return after his loss from Yair Rodriguez to fight Ilya Taporia. That's a tough return. That's a tough <laughs> Nate Landwehr, baby. Sucker punch, choke, whatever you got to do, man. But yeah, um, Ilya and Josh Emmett is going to be a, a super big fight. And, you know, you look at somebody like Patty who just like had, had a chance to kind of, I and mean, they could still build this storyline up. But at one point, those were both guys, Ilya and him, were in the same spot. And then now you see where. I need you two to tell me what the heck they're doing, Patty. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't see what he made that video he's from the hospital saying that he wanted to fight Jared Gordon again, but I don't know the reasoning. I'm just saying you two are the resident Patty fans. Yeah, so no, I have, have no. To... I, he he just had surgery, I think. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. about that. Well, because mm -hmm. they, they wanted to do him in Dober in May or something in or April, I think. And um, Patty was like, "I'm about to get surgery. I'm not even going to be sparring until after then." But yeah, it just seems like he's kind of still trying to take it slow. In terms of who he's fighting, yeah. He's not calling out. Yeah, Drew but what, Dober what was his reasoning for wanting to fight Jared Gordon again? 
I don't remember exactly. I thought it was something along the lines of like, since it didn't go, people thought I lost. I want to make sure it's clear. Is this that time was that his last fight? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I just didn't quite understand why he was like so mad. <laughs> but talking to, about fighting him, right? But Tapira coming off of the um, who did he just beat? Uh, Bryce Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. I uh, like Tapira at forty five. Anyways, I yeah, I, I'd rather him stay down there than <clears throat> come up to um, lightweight. And what a crazy return! Like talk about return fights for Josh Emmett going from a year to mm-hmm. Illy is going to be a really really big one. Brandon, what's our song of the week? So we got two choices. I know you guys aren't big Eminem fans, so it's either <laughs> Eminem, Lose Yourself, or we can do a Europe's Final Countdown. I don't. Yeah, that. Both of these are for Izzy, so. Yeah, let's do the final countdown. Okay. Funny enough, we did a, a skit, a bowling skit video with that as the background, and it got banned in, like, Sweden or something on YouTube. Which one? Final countdown. Oh, that one? Yeah. yeah. Tommy and Toby. Yeah. Adventures. It's called The Adventures of Tommy and Toby. I will never get to see it, though, nope. will I? No. Nope. It's 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 private. <laughs> it's gone. Might have to get some black moments. Hey, if, if anybody you. did see it, you know what's funny, though, is my dad still talks about it to this day, and when we made it private on YouTube, he, like, got so mad. Like, one day called me and was like, where's it at, man? I, want, I was trying to show somebody. I'm like, that, that's why I made it private, so you can't show people <laughs> anymore. Dude, listen, I am a I am one-third of this podcast. You uh, won't at least let me see it. We might let, you know what? We might let you see it next week. You can, in this, you're one for the people. You can review the adventures of Tommy. I don't even, I would, I would I'll, I'll sign like a whatever form NDA? like yeah no, no. I, I, I like no I like yeah an NDA no I like where this is going we'll let you watch it and next week you can review it how mm. about that all right I get that's cool all right we both played I, I'm Toby Trent Jr. Mm-hmm. and he's Toby no you I'm, oh. I was Toby T- Trent Jr. uh Tom what was the last name? John Tommy uh Tommy the Hambone Howard yeah Tommy the Hambone Howard yeah yep yeah. and we went to Cedar Crest filmed it everything Yep, he had on a wig. I had on a really tight hat. Burying the lead here, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm just it. getting you ready. I mean, you, nobody can see it. It's private, so you're never gonna see right. it. But we will, uh, we'll let you watch it. How about cool. that? All right. What's your one for the people, Brandon? One Go for ahead. the people. I guess I got two. One is I watched John Wick Four. Fantastic. I was mm-hmm. actually not sure what expectations to have. I loved it. It was a little long, but it was really, really good. Um, that studio that does those is great. And then my second one, I, I finally tried Prime. Prime. I, oh, the drink. drink. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get to this. It's actually pretty fantastic. Dude, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it was really I good. told you, it's so good. <laughs> Coconut water is good, man. We got it. I, I my, my nephew brought it to me because he loves Prime. He's like nine years old. Uh-huh. Which one you did you try? try? You got to try it. Ice Pop, I think. Mm. That's oh, that's one of the good ones. Yeah. So he, he brought it. They're and, all good. And I and I drank it and I, I sat there and I was like, dang it. Yeah. My nephew goes, what? I'm like, I don't have to tell these two guys that it was actually good. <laughs> I didn't want to like it. I told you. That's what I said. I don't want to be like a UFC brand boy, but it is good. It's good. <laughs> John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is opening day was Thursday, so let's go Braves, baby. I'm hype. Yep. Baseball? Anything on baseball, Brandon? Uh, Chase told me that uh, <laughs> some uh, Asian pitcher struck out somebody, and that was a big deal. Oh, Shohan uh-huh. Otani. Yep. Uh, Mike striking Trout. out Mike Trout. Yep, yep. those guys. <laughs> Maybe you can pick up being a Phillies fan since you picked up the Eagles. There last you year. Nah, nah. There you go. Uh, my one for the people, John. I am looking at you drinking a water bottle with a piece of chewed up gum in the bottom of it. Yep. That g- genuinely has got to be the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in my life. I mean, what would be the difference if I was still chewing it and drinking the water? How did that happen? I didn't want to just put, I can't put it on like the table or something. I didn't want to chew it while I was talking. I, I mean, guys, in terms of like the visuals of this, right? Like Brandon, I've seen him take like, I noticed it somewhere in the new, and it's just like 
boggled my mind that he keeps drinking from it. Because I'm thinking, like, <laughs> what he just said, like, oh, we got in here. He's like, oh, I'll just throw it in this water bottle till the end. But he's taking, like, seven drinks out of it. <laughs> I'm not going to leave a whole water bottle. Like I said, what's the difference uh, between me chewing it and drinking water at the same time? That's just... Absolutely nothing. John, that's it just, bad. It's the optics, man. It's, uh, it's yeah. The, I mean, listen, man. I mean, that's like... Would, I mean, would you take your whole meal and just put it in a blender and drink it? Some people have to do that. Would you do would it, you? though? It's the I don't same, have it's to. It's the same thing. But it would be the same thing. I mean, would you eat your snot? Like, sometimes you inhale, it gets in the back Ugh. of your throat. Would you eat it? No. I wouldn't do it, but it, right. sometimes stuff happens. So you don't put a piece of chewed up gum in a water bottle. You're making a conscious decision to drink it, though. Right, because it was a whole bottle. I'm not going to waste it. Uh, I told you I got to get my budget right if I want to go to Chicago. <laughs> That's <what you're laughs> right. So get off me if you don't want me to go. Oh man. wow! That's that's uh, that's interesting. John. It's called it's called coming first. Come in full circle right there. Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure I got you uh, drinking it on camera here as well. My That's brother, fine. I don't I, care. I put that out later. <laughs> Come back next week recapping UFC 287, boys, and then guess what? We're right back in it with Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen that next week. We got a lot they to talk about. Don't slow down for a while. No, no. We're going. We're heading full force. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.